Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 17. And after a weekend full of goals, I'm delighted to have Mark Denham alongside me again. Mark, how are we? Hello, Graham. I'm very well. How are you? I'm very good. It's a virtual alongside me, that is. Yes. It's the metaphorical alongside me. Uh, we have to record the podcast, not to give too much away, but we're in separate rooms, in separate locations. So he it feels like he's alongside me. I feel like I can reach out and I could touch him. Is if that you right? Want, then you can. If you want. Yes. <laughs> if you want, you can. We won't go into former songs about uh, touch me, touch me if you want no. to and all those sort of things. We can and go Rocky Horror. Episode 17, doing it for the many, not the few. Indeed, indeed. We are doing it for the many of you and the many Bees fans who came along to the game on Saturday. And I'm already looking at the uh, Facebook and Twitter views of the highlights as well, because it was one of those uh, nights where you just had to be there. Having been called out by Mark for the keyboard warriors to turn up to the hive, you had to be there, to come and enjoy an 11-goal night at the hive. It's been a couple of years since the, since the Bees hit double figures. Uh, it was a game against Hull in the EPIHL where it last hit double figures. But yes, it was it was a was it the best performance on earth? No, but was it a clinical performance? Absolutely. Um, plenty of goals spread across the team. Callie Robertson having a fantastic home debut. Dominic Goodbye continuing his impressive form as well. But what really impressed me was the adjustment that the Bees made during the course of the game because it's easy in that game to go. You know what? Thomas Adams is coming to net. He's the NIHL2 starting netminder. He's very much, at that moment, the fourth-choice netminder that the Raiders had at their disposal following the email, following the injury to Greg Blaze earlier in the game. And he came in, and I felt he did a very good job, actually. I think he was... he. You look until about the ninth, tenth goal, he is saving all of those goals. It is a poor reflection on the defense that they didn't change up their game plan to realise what the Bees were doing, which was get the shot on net and get in the slot to pick up the rebound. Good things happen when you go to the net. And Saturday night, 11 of those goals tell you exactly what you can do when it all goes right. Well, I did say on the stream, didn't I, for the Bees, when they conceded a couple, I said, you know, the defence and the goaltender have to work well together. Stuart Mogg and Adam Goss had a little conversation at the end of the first period and we saw a change-up in the tactics and the Bees defence and the Bees netminder working well together. Now, a challenge for the Bees defence is that uh, Danny Milton and Adam Goss are very different styles of netminder. So they need like different expectations from the defence. But in terms of uh, the the Romford backup for the night, I really do feel for him because there he is being thrown into a game in a pressure situation. And it's the same, I guess, for any backup netminder. You expect to back up. You don't expect to ice. Greg Blaze would have been expecting to see out the whole 60 minutes. And in all fairness to Greg, the defence weren't in great support of Greg either, I didn't think. But when you look at Adams, there he is, a young kid just making his way. And he may very well go on in the next two, three, four, five years to be the starting goaltender for the Raiders. He has a lot of potential, and you could see that in the way he read the game, the way he reacted, the way that he played the puck. But what happened was he needs to work on his rebound control because if he doesn't do that, his defense aren't clearing them, and that was the problem. He was making a lot of saves. His stats are actually not so bad. It looks horrendous on paper when you look at the score. 11 for the Bs. It looks horrendous on paper. But when you look at the work done by Adams in the bees net, he was a solid goaltender. He made enough saves. And I'd argue had he perhaps been behind the bees defense, there wouldn't have been 11 past him because they would have worked better with him to help him clear the, um, help him clear the puck and indeed the man as well. Credit to the bees though. They saw their opportunity. They took it. They tried hard to screen him well. They saw that there were rebounds on offer and they saw that defence weren't clearing them. So they got men to the net and in position and it worked. Yeah, because it's easily one of those games where the Bees could have just stuck to what they try and do and how they try and play. And and sometimes it is just sometimes reducing it back to the most simplistic of plays. And uh, as a result, the results came for the Bees. Those 11 goals were fantastic, got everybody up on their feet, a real feel-good factor with 
goals flying in left, right. And there were some lovely finishes in there. You go back and you watch even right down to the final finish with Josh Martin, where Josh raced away in. He had D-man covering him and he just held up the puck enough to set up a screen of sorts and then let fly with it to, to round off the night with his 11th. It's a lovely finish. Don't And that's nothing to do with any rebound. That's nothing to do with working hard to get in the slot. That was just all about reading the play fantastically that at that moment. Herb goal. Yeah. Because as you say, he skated in hard and the defenseman has gone where he thought Josh was going. What he's actually ended up doing is Josh has allowed him to create the screen that he needed to score. Superb goal. Yeah, and you, you and, and that's exactly and that shows when the confidence is flowing. And you you saw that throughout the lines. Every player that was out there was just picking up their play and going. And like one guy we haven't spoken about much this season is Luke Jackson because he's continuing to develop uh, across the whole weekend. I think that was Luke's strongest weekend in a bees jersey. Just doing the simple things effectively, doing getting that goal. I've been told by from watching him in training, he's got a cannon of a shot. When he lets fly, guys are moving because they know it's a good shot. It's a strong shot. For some reason in the game, he just hasn't been. I, mean, I get it. Just hasn't let the clapper go. When the puck fell to him on Saturday night, he had no hesitation, drilled it, and it just flew like a rocket into the net. And maybe that goal's just given Luke that little bit more confidence. He definitely took that into the game Sunday night. It has to be said in Sheffield as well, which we'll get onto in a minute. But Luke certainly just lit it up with that goal, and he just sort of gave everybody the pickup they wanted. And full credit to Luke, full credit to Josh for their finish as well. Full credit to everybody at the Hive too, because it was obviously the teddy bear toss night for Daisy's dream. And it always makes me laugh when you hear before the start of the game, teddies are going to get tossed onto the ice, even when the bees score the first goal or at the end of the first period, like hedging the bets a little bit there. There wasn't need to hedge the bets on Saturday night with the number the bees put up in the end. No, um, like I must admit, I have done a game. I did a game a couple of years ago in Basingstoke, which was the teddy bear toss night. And the bison ended up shut out. So the bears all came out at 60 minutes. So I can see like why that is like, you know, put in either throw it out at the end of the, um, at the end of the, uh, sorry, on the occasion of the first goal or at the end of the first period. But no, on, on Saturday, there would have been plenty of opportunities to get those teddy bears out on the ice. And I have to say, uh, I am told that they have been collected by Daisy's dream and they will be distributed by Christmas this time and not for Valentine's Day, which is great news Lovely as well. Lovely stuff. Lovely so stuff. Thank you on behalf of Daisy's dream and, of course, on behalf of the bees to everyone that brought a teddy along on Saturday night and threw it out as well. Just another highlight from Saturday, 11 goals and a great number of teddies going to Daisy's dream as well. Indeed. And this time, last time we had a, a seven foot bear carried off by a five foot two lady. <laughs> this time, this time it was like an eight foot bear. There was a polar bear on skates. Yeah. And I'm not talking about Steve Merry. There was no. an actual polar bear on the eye. I thought my eyes were deceiving me, but there was a polar bear out Do you know there. What? And Fair play to Steve Merry. He stopped the clock. He put his skates on. Stopped the clock when the goal went in, rushed out, skated out and collected the bears, rushed back, started the clock, untied his skates and then put his shoes back on. Fair play to him. And by the time he put the shoes back on, had to stop the clock again yeah, for another goal. Because yeah. another goal's gone in. Um, yeah. yeah well, well, credit to our five foot two lady was still swamped under the bears, sorting them out. <laughs> it, to be fair, it was one of the quick, quickest clear offs ever. I said it on the stream at the time. Yeah. I've been part of Teddy Bear Tosses where it takes forever to get the Bears off the ice. And it's an absolute nightmare. You've scored the goal, you've built the momentum, and then you've got a five-minute pause while Brink staff are failing to pick up Bears. Mm. It worked really well Saturday. And I think that shone through because literally the next shift, the Bees go out and put another goal on the board. Shows that confidence was high, shows that momentum was building. And that's something that's beginning to come into the Bees game at the moment, is this ability to... If they get one, they can get a second very quickly afterwards. It happened a couple of times on Saturday night when they had to, and even when they conceded a goal, they were getting an instant response. And it happened in Sheffield as well on Sunday. There were two quick goals in the second period, literally back-to-back, that just changed the momentum of the game. And that's a really good bit of just mental skill to have, to know you can go out on a team and get one, and then very quickly you can add a second and maybe add a third. because. That is where the game changes. That's when coaches are calling timeout. That's when you know you're in the ascendancy. 
Well, yeah, if you know that you've you've banged a couple of quick goals in and the opposition coach is then calling a timeout, you know you've got them rattled. And that's something that the Bees are starting to do now. They are they're gelling very, very well. Doug has made some key changes to this lineup. In has come Dominic Goodbye. In has come Josh Ely Newman. In has come Callie Robertson. In addition to the players that we'd added either in the summer or as the season started. And those players are all gelling. This team is gelling. And they are, and I'm going to say it again, they are now doing it for the many, not the few. Very, <laughs> very selfless as well. Like you watch some of the setups as well. The um, Some of the setups and you're thinking, well, yeah, you could have had a shot at that, but they're seeing like, you know, oh no, he's open. He's got a better chance than me. It's a real team effort now. And this team is really gelling. This team is really coming together. And we've had a couple of three-point weekends. And you and I both predicted that the one just gone would have been a four-pointer. It could have been a four-pointer. It's another one of those either or coin toss overtime penalty shot losses. But it's going to come, isn't it? The four-point weekend is going to come because if you do good things, you will get your reward. And the Bees are doing a lot of good things right now. The players that Doug has brought in have gelled with the players Doug already had. The systems, the tactics, they're all starting to come together because the players are gelling. The players are getting the confidence to go out there and play the way Doug wants them to play. And those that doubted are now starting to think, oh, no, hang on, this is exciting. This is exciting. You know, if you look back a month ago, uh, Doug was the worst coach ever. The team was the worst bees team ever, and nobody was happy. And now, just with the addition of a couple of players, Doug is brilliant, the team is brilliant, and everyone is happy, and everything's going in the right direction. Things are good at the Hive right now. Indeed, they're very good indeed. Just to go into that coin toss on Sunday, I was lucky enough to actually head up to Sheffield for that game. Um, because, as I say, full of confidence it was going to be a four-point weekend. You walk away with a three-point weekend, yeah, it's disappointing. The, the guys worked hard enough to earn the four points. Sheffield have a very unique style on home. They're quite a slow team. They're quite a methodical team. Um, and you can get sucked into that. And I think the long journey, maybe the first opening 20, wasn't as energetic as it could be. In the second period, we stepped up. In the third, we stepped up again. And it's just an unfortunate break that sees uh, the Steel Dogs get away. I don't want to go too much into the officiating, but we have whinged about how challenging the four-man system is down here. Up in the north, heaven forbid, it was atrocious. Dominic Gabay taking a massive high stick to the face. Play stops. Everybody stops. And not a single official's arm goes in the air and they're all completely out of it. Dominic's drawn blood on this play and not a single one of these four officials have spotted it. Uh, And then later in the game, there is an incident right down in front of us where a Steel Dogs player was in the corner. He had lost the puck. No one around him. And he took a footballer's dive. There's no other way of describing it. It was an absolute swan dive. The referee's seen it, and I'm going, it's two-minute simulation. Call it. It's the most clearest simulation. He doesn't call it, just gives it a little shake of the head. And then the Steel Dogs player slams his stick down on the ice, verbally points at him, verbally abuses him. You've got another chance of a misconduct there for abuse, and he doesn't call that either. And at that moment, the whole credibility of those officials went out of the game. And I'm going to call it, it's good and Miller. Miller is the guy who referees in the Elite League. Heaven forbids in the Elite League if he calls it like that. And I don't care that he's an EIHA board official. That was a shambles of a performance from those two. And I do actually think that that is a game tape that should be submitted to the likes of Joy Johnson to be watched. Because I can sit here and I can defend these officials. But if you're not going to call the basics and you're not going to call the big stuff, all your credibility goes out the window. There is a chance that game could have ended completely differently you could have seen if guys hadn't kept their head because of what was going on you could have had a free-for-all and probably about five years ago in this country you would have done but mm. that game needed stronger needed a little bit more strength and officiating just call the things to keep your credibility don't worry about the fact you're going to be back in that Sheffield week rink in a week time and it happens too much with the northern officials they panic about the fact oh I've got to come back here next week. Oh, I've got to come There's back here the week been after. This divide, though, hasn't exactly it? between the north and the south. I mean, I do remember uh, going back a few years ago. Dave Clapman, head and shoulders, the best referee in this country in the IHA at the time. And Dave had gone to Telford. It was a cup semi-final. Dave had gone to Telford, and all the Tigers fans are berating, like, "Who is this referee? He doesn't know what he's doing." And I was thinking. 
No, no, no. What's happened is you've actually got a referee that's undoubtedly one of the top ones in the country. You look at his CV, look at his history. He knows what he's doing. And it's just that you're not used to it because the referees that you get are, and I mean no disrespect by by this, the northern referees are not as good as the southern referees. I mean, if you look at the referees, let's say, that we see at the Hive, you've got got Stephen Matthews, you have got Sevrook, you've got officials that are good at what they're doing. But obviously, the clubs pay the officials on the night, and that includes the mileage. So you're not often going to get sent a referee like Matt Thompson. I know he does Elite League now, but if you take Matt Thompson, he lives down south. He's not often going to get sent up to Telford to hold to Sheffield because of the mileage if he was doing an EIHA game. And I think that's what it comes down to a lot is that, yes, they do all get together and they do all have their training camp together, but you have a very strong bunch. And there's a good friendly rivalry between the, the referees, the linesmen down here in the south. There's a good friendly rivalry. And, you know, I know a few of the referees. I know a few of the linesmen. You get told, like, little stories like, oh, I got ribbed on the WhatsApp group because of this. And there is this good friendly rivalry. But unfortunately, up in the north, it's just not quite the same. I don't know, like, you know, I don't know any of the northern officials. I don't know, like, whether they have this same competitive rivalry that we have here in the south. But the the officiating is totally and utterly different. They're calling the same game. They're calling the same rules. They're calling the same EIHA interpretations. But we're not getting the same calling of them. And that's, that's what's a big difference, I think. Yeah, and I think, again, the, the argument of southern officials, northern officials, just look every year when you get to Coventry. Just look how many of the officials are the southern-based officials and how many of them are the northern-based officials. It really comes down to as simple as that. They have some excellent people who run on the lines. They have some excellent other staff. All good, but you look at the actual officials who are refereeing the game, it's not a 50-50 split. It's not sometimes even a 75-25 split. It is normally stacked with Southern officials, and there's a reason for that. They are more quality. It's a little bit of a rant there from me, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, if they called the game, it would have gone any different. I'm not saying that whatsoever. You look at the penalties, it's very even. A lot got let go, but they those are the key moments where you just want you want to say, get your credibility. That's your credibility right now. And sadly, they didn't take the chance to do that. What you did say is a very valid point, though. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe had that game been called differently, the Bees would still have gone on to lose. But what could also have happened is, and I'll use Dave Clatman again here, the minute anything bubbled over in a Dave Clatman game, there would be an Uncle Dave word, and that would then be put back in the can. Lid on, sorted, solved. And it was very rare you saw Dave get into major penalties because he didn't need to. Players respected him. Dave communicated well. But if you are getting incidents like Sunday in Sheffield getting let away, ultimately, there's going to be a lot of frustration in the players. And you could see, like you said, you know, looking back five years, you could see an absolute brawl breaking out in that game because the officials have lost control. And... You know, we've both seen it in the past where an official has come in, the game has slipped away from their control and they've ended up with a blood path and you've got penalties left, right and centre, suspensions, all because of needlessly letting that game slip away. And that is something I think that does need to be worked on because now that we have this crossover league, the National League, where you go up north and they come down south, I think it's even more important now that we have a fair officiating uh, base. So the southern teams uh, aren't going up north and like, oh crikey, this is abysmal. And yep. the uh, the southern the northern teams aren't coming down south. Well, this is this is abysmal. They're calling actual penalties. We need some form of consistency. I've said it before. Like we need consistency among the two referees on the night, and we need consistency week to week. Also, we need consistency north to south, south to north. Yep, agree. It's all about consistency with officials. It's my second favorite c word to do with officials, as I always say. <laughs> The first one's Cloutman. Don't, don't, yes. the first one's Cloutman. No one, everybody don't, just don't read into it, but my first one's Cloutman. Um, let, let's move on to something I just want to very briefly mention, which is uh, the Dominic Gabay effect, I think it's fair to say. Now, if, when we signed Dominic, I think a lot of people were looking forward to seeing, you know, if he would hit the ground running, if he would make an impact the minute he put on a B's jersey. 
Just going to read a stat line for you one second. So Dominic is six games into his B's career now. Ten goals, <laughs> six assists, 16 points. I think he's settled in all right, hasn't he? He's hit the ground <laughs> sprinting, never mind running. He's, he's, you know, if this was a sprint race, then Usain Bolt has no chance. Dominic Goodbye has come in. He has hit the ground running. And not only has he put up those 16 points, the spark that he has given his line mates as well. Look how successful that line is starting to look. And we'll come back to that line as well, because obviously we had an addition to that line at the weekend. But 16 points in six games, that's good. And add into that the spark that he's added as well to the team. And not only that, there is one other thing as well that he's done. Roman Malenik carries a lot on his own shoulders and Roman feels the blame himself should the Bees not win. Roman is someone who will always say, I could have done more. What Dominic has done as well is he has removed some of that burden, I think, from Roman Malenik as well and allowed him to play just a little more freely rather than thinking, I have to carry this team single-handedly now. Yeah, and uh, do you know what as well? For me with with Dominic, it, the stat line is incredible and I hope it continues that way. You hope it isn't going to be... I, I don't think it's going to be. But it's what I love about Dominic and his play, it's just the little things. It's the little stick check moving backward. It's the little stick lift. It's the little bit of a little bit of a tug in the right place. It's just that little bit of smartness to go, I just need to move in here and I'm going to intercept the... It is just a hockey IQ across the ice. And as I say, it's fascinating. Probably a player like him 10 years ago in this country, when it was a bit more physical and a bit more, he would have, I think he still would have fit in. He would have had a very different game. But the game that he has now where he's just able to get his stick in the lane, lift the puck, it's all of those little pieces that, yeah, means he could put up 16 points. And as you rightly say, Give the lift to the guys around him. Zach Milton continuing to develop into this stud of a player and, and, and really was getting glowing play praise from people up in Sheffield on Sunday. There were certain fans stopping me and saying what what they think about Zach as a player and how good it is to see for a, for a place that saw lots of young players develop and have the likes of Alex Graham and Kieran Brown, who we wish the best to after the uh, injury he sustained on uh, Saturday night in Basingstoke, but you, they're all very positive about Zach as well and said about how bringing Dominic into that line has helped him. The other guy we have to mention there is Callie Robertson. It's got to be difficult. You're coming into a new team, you're moving into a new area, you've had a good start to the year in Milton Keynes, and for unbeknownst reasons to anybody bar Lewis Clifford the dog, uh, you've been decided that it's time for him to, to depart. And he's a nine. It's not like he's a 32-year-old, 33-year-old vet who would have been a much easier to get rid of. You decide to get rid of the kid because you haven't got, you know, the statistical fortitude to actually deal with it. But Callie, come in. He's settled in. He's gone straight on that line alongside Zach and uh, Dominic. And he also spent a bit of time on the line with Galazzi and Webb as well on Sunday night. That also worked out really well because it was there. It was Callie's work on the for the second goal that created the turnover with the chasing support and also works alongside Josh Martin as well it really it's just clicked for Callie here and that's just one weekend it's an absolute snapshot but if that snapshot develops into a fully developed picture that line's going to be an awful lot of fun to watch for the rest of the season I think that we are in a great position now I really do as I said earlier you know a month ago this was the worst bees team ever according to some people and yet with just a couple of tweaks, it's all turned around. Dominic Goodbye, the spark that he, is, he has provided, is amazing. And also the debut weekend of Callie Robertson, as you say, like what happened in Milton Keynes must have knocked his confidence. You know, here we have a kid with a lot of potential. Sorry, son, you're out. Must have knocked his confidence. But he's come in with his head held high and he made a fantastic debut. And let's not forget that play that he made where he wore the puck on his chin Still, that it dropped to his feet, laid off the perfect pass, and created a goal. I mean, that is outstanding play. So, you know, I'm really, really happy with the way things are looking right now. Um, If we can stay fit and if we can stay healthy, things are looking really, really good now, I think. Yeah, indeed. Now, it's a question that you posed me on the stream, and thank you to all of you who joined us on the stream on uh, Saturday night. It's always great to join you, especially when Mark has to apologise in the opening few minutes, just confirming what he uh, didn't mean to abuse Raiders fans earlier in the season. 
didn't abuse them. That's a strong turn of phrase there. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> um, but also, uh, disappointingly, no cakes. It was no, noted. no, no. That was very sad. Although yeah, somebody was... did say they'd made them but forgot yeah. them. So t- two people came up. One person said, did you get any chocolate cake? And I was like, no. And then they went, oh, that's a shame. And sort of walked away. And then someone else said, I made you a cake. I left it on the side at home. And I was like, it's going to be another two weeks to the home game. That cake's going to be rotten by the time it comes around to us. Um, but anyway, we're not bitter about the cake situation, are we? No, 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 no. No, we're not no. bitter about We're not bitter about that at all. But uh, on the stream, Mark asked me a question at the end of the game. We discussed earlier in the game what podcast uh, things we're going to talk about. And then also we started it by <laughs> it out in the, uh, in the uh, post-game sum-up. But indeed, but obviously... Vanya Antonov is still registered to play for the TSI World Bracknell Bees. Um, he's obviously enjoying his time with Stretton at the moment as they go in search of, of, of a league title and cup success. And obviously we do wish Vanya all the best there. But there may be opportunities when Stretton don't have a game and when Vanya's studies will allow him to, to suit up for the Bees. And the question is, uh, if, if right now you rightly ask, where do you put him? And we both came to almost the same conclusion. Well, I think, if I'm honest, and I don't mean this with any disrespect at all, and a year or two ago you'd be you would be absolutely calling me a buffoon for this, but I think that he's fantastic injury cover. But if everybody stays fit, the way things are rolling right now, the way the lines are gelling right now, I think that he has the night off, if I'm honest. If Streatham don't have a game, I think he has the night off because It'd be very, very difficult for Doug to say, yeah, come on board, because where do you put it? All, all the lines that we're rolling at the moment are firing. And, you know, if you put him on the top line, you're going to have to drop a top line player to line two. You've disrupted two lines there. That player will drop down to line three. You've disrupted all three lines. It may not click the same way it has right now. And, you know, yes, it's a little bit harsh on Vanya, but I will say the decision was his to not return to Bracknell now and in any sport, the the man in possession is generally, or the person in possession, as we are in 2019, the person in possession is generally in the strongest place. Yep. So I would say right now that if Vanya was available, I would say enjoy your night off, if I'm entirely honest, as long as everybody stays fit, because everything is clicking so well at the moment. And Doug has got three decent lines that he can put out, all of which are offensively dangerous and not only that they're all working well on the back check as well so things are going really good at the moment and you know you said basically the same thing on Sunday where do you fit him in and the answer probably is I think we're in agreement here at the moment you don't in the words of a true legend uh, that's right. Um, that's right that's right um yeah it's it's very bizarre to sort of talk I mean, it's a lovely problem to have. I mean, I'd take this problem every day of the week. I'd take this conundrum to try and solve. How do you fit Vanya Antonov into this team? And I'm sure there would be some people who would straight away go, and I'm sure it might even be in Doug Shepard's head, is that, well, it's Vanya, isn't it? Vanya comes into this team. He's in that upper echelon of echelon, 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 echelon. That's the word. We're getting there in the end. Um, He's in that tier of player in the league. Uh, and as a result, it's a great luxury to have. It's it's a wonderful bonus if you can put him as part of your side. And, and would you just, you know what? You got to go with him. Obviously, we've got a couple of weeks coming up where Zach Milton won't be in the GB under uh, won't be here. He'll be away on GB under twenty duty. Callie is actually a reserve for GB under twenties and injuries to the likes of Kieran Brown and maybe another. We'll see him promoted off the reserve list, so he might also go. So who knows? And maybe there's that, your place. There's your place. There's your time for for Vanya to come in and play uh, if he is available, obviously. But it's it, it's a very, it's an interesting conundrum because don't doubt me, you, if you've got the opportunity to put Vanya in your team, you you would. But it's the situation that's dictating that you just might not on this occasion. You just might go, you know what? As you've rightly said, I've got three lines that are rolling very well at the moment. It's building a team chemistry. No one's doing anything to much wrong on that ice. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to go with these lines. I'm, I'm sorry, Vanny. Yes, you might be available. Have a night off. 
Have mm. a night off and rest. Have a night off. It's it's an absolutely fascinating conversation. And I'm sure some people listening to this podcast right now are just trying to reach through their speaker and strangle both of us. Um, because be the first time that's happened to me. No, no, it wouldn't be the first time it's happened to either of us, really, would it? Um, I'm sure there will be some going. You can't say that. You can't. You've got to take him. But you've got to think of it overall. Hockey is as much a mental sport as it is a physical sport. And mentally, if you've got three lines that are rolling and three lines that are producing and doing everything, it might be just best to stick it. Now, <laughs> would I like to see Vanya Antonov play alongside Dominic Goodbye? Absolutely. Um, would I like to see it happen? Absolutely. But has Zach Milton done anything wrong? Absolutely not. Has Callie Robertson done anything wrong so far? Absolutely not. And then other guys like Josh Marson, who showed he's showing his form at the moment and such like, these guys are doing nothing wrong. They don't deserve to have their opportunity taken away from them because someone's available. No, I mean, it is hard on Vanya if Doug Shepard agrees with what we're saying. And let's, let's be honest here. We don't know what Doug is thinking about what to do with Vanya when he's available. We're just offering out our suggestions here. It is very, very tough on Vanya. But this team is training together and this team is playing together and this team is coming together very well. It would be, you know, a, an ideal opportunity for Vanya when Zach Milton is away because then there is a gap to be filled in that line. But to break that line up that is incredibly successful may not be for the best, even if it is for Vanya Antonov, which is very tough on him. But as I said earlier, Vanya was offered the chance to come back to Bracknell over the summer and Vanya chose to go to Streatham. I'm not criticising his reasons. I fully agree with them. He's doing full-time studies as well. And the commitments of the Bees are different to the commitments of the, uh, the Red Hawks as well. So it's, it's a very, very different thing. And I fully understand why Vanya has committed mainly to Streatham with the occasional Bracknell game. I fully understand that. But what I'm saying is, if Vanya had committed full-time over the summer, arguably he would have a place, and then it would be Zach Milton, or it would be Callie Robertson that were competing to get onto that line. At the moment, as it's working so well, you know, like, you don't really want to rock that boat, do you? No, exactly. And, and it, look, let's say, a fascinating problem. It's one that I'm very happy that we, we might have to deal with one day. Um, but who knows? Maybe the times change. Injuries happen in a heartbeat. Anything can occur. Uh, so let's look very quickly forward to. Well, before we get on to that, before we get well, on to that, uh, we did goes. touch on. No, we did touch on it very quickly earlier. I just wanted to talk about goaltenders very, very quickly. Oh yes, because I think that we are in a very lucky, fortunate position in Bracknell because we saw. Obviously, the Raiders are going through a bit of terrible luck with their goaltenders at the moment. And we, um, we faced their third and fourth choice goaltenders on Saturday. And as we said, Adams, young Adams did very, very well, made a lot of saves, but wasn't particularly backed up. I think we have to give credit to Doug here for having a, a, a good pair of goaltenders because we're very fortunate in that had the same injury occurred to Adam Goss as her occurred with Greg Blaze, and we're not sure what it was, but he certainly looked to be in some, some discomfort towards the end of the first period. But had the same injury occurred, Danny Milton, I think, is a very good, very accomplished goalie who can hold his own at this level. And we've seen Danny start and win games this year as well. So I think that we are very, very lucky. And the one thing I will say is it's very difficult to be a backup goalie because if you're a forward, if you're a defenseman, you know that you're going to get shifts in the game and you arrive at the rink ready to play. If you are the backup goalie, you don't know unless, say, like in advance, you're then told, you know, like, look, we're going to uh, we're going to start you tonight. Then that's fine. But if you are the backup goalie and you're expecting to be sat on the bench, it is difficult then, you know, to be sat on the bench and you're you're helping counting stats and things like that for the coaching team. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, I'm, I've got to go. I've got to go quick. Put the lid down. I've got to go. And, you know, to be called into the game like that is very, very difficult. But as I say, I think we're very lucky here in Bracknell to have a goaltender in Danny Milton that can easily come on and see out a game and indeed start a game as well. 
Yeah, I fully agree with you. And it's quite funny that what, having been around Doug Shepherd hockey teams for years and certain players that Doug had uh, as goalies, there's a very different mindset. Some goalies prefer, want to start all 52 or 36 or 48 or however many games in a season. They want to play every single minute of every single game. Win or lose, form in or out, injured or not, they will try and play every minute of every game. And it can be to the detriment. It can be to the detriment of developing younger players. It can be to the detriment of actually trying to find a backup. Because, again, a backup goalie might not think, well, I'm not really going to get a chance on that team. I'm not really going to get an opportunity. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I might get a chance. Um, Sure, I might be on a lesser team. I might be on a team that's going to struggle at the bottom of the table. But I know I'm going to get an opportunity. I know I'm going to get game time compared to in this situation where I'm not going to get anything at all. Um, you look across the league and there's a there's a wild degree of uh, goaltending setups where you get some that are like that, where you, you've got definitive netminders who want to start every game. And, and then you get, and start, you get a combination like we've got in Bracknell, where I'm sure Danny and Adam are competing with each other. Adam is number one. Danny has had opportunities and has taken the opportunities that have come his way as well. But you also know that Danny is willing and ready and able to go on that bench. Some of the worst combinations you can see as netminders is when you have two starters in your team. Oh, yes. And there are numerous... You never have two number one goalies, do you? You always have two number two goalies in that situation, I think. And it's it doesn't normally end well at the no. end of the season. Oh, it doesn't even start... Brantnell no. fan, Brantnell fans go back to the first year in the EPL when it was Stephen Wall and Dean Skinge. You had two kind of number ones battling it out and it just didn't work. And as a result, Steve Briere had to be brought in when uh, Basingstoke released him. And and that was exactly a situation there. You had two number ones. Neither of them were really happy to be being made back up. Didn't really want it like that. And as a result, you just lo- you, you can lose that whole competition. Danny, at the end of the day, is an excellent net is an excellent netminder coach. Really understands the mental side of the game. Um, Adam is obviously developing his play as a starter, having come across from Milton Keynes. It, it it's a very it's a very healthy combination. Those two, I think it's fair to say, it's a very good tandem, and that could be the difference at any point. And I think there's other teams. The Raiders situation this weekend is just it's 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 an absolute in the bucket. Like you can't do anything about that. You get your third choice netminder who the weekend before plays his first game in four or five years, and the next weekend he goes down to make a save and pings his knee, and as a result, well, that's me done. In you go, kid. It's just an it's it's in a bucket. There's nothing you can do about that, and you do feel for them. But as I say, I think the situation we have, if that happens with us, it's good news. Right, that was that was a good little point there. Good little chat. I completely forgot Thank we were. Gonna, we we do it. We, we I mean, Mark and I do come up with topics and plans, but occasionally we do forget about things. And I had actually <laughs> scribbled out back out backup goalies about twenty yeah. minutes ago. So I'm glad ah. we got round to that one. One yeah. thing I'm delighted to say is going to be happening because we are moving into the festive period. Ho ho, very, ho 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 ho! He's really working on that, and I'm getting very annoyed about how good it is because I just have a naturally <laughs> higher voice. Come on, come on, your turn, your turn. Come on. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. Sounds more like Fred Flintstone. That's the problem. It <laughs> sounds like I'm about to go put my bare feet into my car and run down to bedrock. Um, Yabba dabba <laughs> this is This has gone crazy, hasn't it? We're, we're beginning to reach towards well, the... Well, you were uh, just saying we were getting towards festive season. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure the Flintstones are it. But uh, festive season. Now, obviously, this weekend is a double header on the road. Um, with Telford and Hull trips this weekend. Those of you joining the team on the doubleheader, we will see you there. It should be a good weekend. I think there's some positivity to come from that. But we've been thinking about it here on the podcast. We've been pondering. We're like, you know what? We've done 17 outstanding episodes of audio. And we'll probably put out an 18th as well before Christmas. But when we move into the festive period, we want to do something a little bit different. So... We're going to do a live show, and you don't need to be a Patreon subscriber for this one. This is just as a bonus to the ball, put out as a podcast afterwards anyway. But we're going to do a live show. We're going to do the live show. Uh, we're going to stream it. We're not sure quite what yet. It's either going to be Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, one of the three. Uh, I completely forgot about Periscope earlier on. We could use Periscope for that one. 
Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no not Periscope. No. No, Ooh, no because it. obviously one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do a live podcast episode. So it'll be audio and video. So you'll you'll have to watch us as well. I'll have to shave. But what you can also do is you can ask us questions as well. So if you have any questions, we'll go through the live chat and anyone then that uh, chimes in with a question, we will do our very best to answer it as well. So I'm thinking like Facebook, YouTube, good with live chat, Periscope, not so good. It just comes up like on the little screen and then it's gone. And then like when we're answering one question, we're going to miss another, aren't we? So I'd yeah, rather oh. I'd rather we did Facebook or YouTube, but then we're like, we'll be able to keep up with all the questions where hopefully there will be some. Well, exactly. Um, we're we're going to promote yeah. it a little bit. We, that's why we're not coming up with a date quite yet. We need to work out when it's going to be best because obviously people are around families and such like but we want to make it a bit of a live experience for you guys. Um, as you say, we'll try and be on air and who knows, we might sit back and kick back and relax a little bit. And uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that. We'll also see if we can get some special guests on. I'm sure I can pull some strings somewhere along the line and see if we can get some special guests to come Father and join Christmas. us. Father Christmas. Father Christmas may be available. Uh, yeah. A little bit quieter after Christmas, isn't he? Yeah. He has that long day doing that. all that. He has that 24-hour shift, doesn't he? Mm. And his body clock must be knackered because he just he's it's he, he just twenty four hours of darkness yeah. for him. I feel I feel you know for who him. we could get. Go on, we could get Steve. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the, that will just be an instant drop in viewers. Um, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to debate that one. I feel I feel that there may be some problems. We could get Steve on. We'll have we'll have a little think about it. And we'll have a little think. We'll see what we can do. But yeah. Little bit of a live show for you guys. Um, we'll, we'll we'll come out with more details about that, and that will be free for all. That won't be held up just for you guys who have been great supporters of us here on Patreon. We hope you're still enjoying all the podcasts you receive on a weekly feed from us, and we really do appreciate all your support because it means we can keep this show on the road. And by the road, I mean for me the A33 and for Mark the M4. Um, and don't forget to spread <laughs> the word as well. Tell your friends if you're enjoying what we're doing, because obviously the more the merrier. And uh, all of the money does go towards the uh, the running costs of the Bees Radio Network, so we can keep that free for you, and you can enjoy the live coverage from the Hive. And as we did say earlier on, should there be any profit from this at the end, that'll all go towards the Bees as well. So it is helping not just uh, yourself if you can't make a game and listen to the coverage. It may also, should we then make enough money that we can donate some back to the club after we've covered our costs. It is obviously going to help out the club as well. So uh, spread the word if you are enjoying what we are throwing out here on a weekly basis on our podcast on patreon.com forward slash Bees Radio Network. Do tell your friends as well. Feel free to uh, share the link. And then obviously the more the merrier. And uh, hopefully we can uh, carry on with our free radio coverage. Thanks to your generosity. Indeed. It's, it's certainly gone better than I think we hoped it would do so far, hasn't it, Mark? I mean, the listening figures are, are impressive, aren't they? The listening figures are good. We had that one, didn't we, there where, where there was thousands of that was, listens. That and, was you know, the that, whole game, wasn't it? That yeah, was the whole game. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we it's great, I think, that people are enjoying what we're doing, um, and it's great that we can provide this service. I mean, you know, I've I've read Twitter commentaries and things like that. Some are better than others, but... I think what we're doing here now, though, is we are actually play-by-play, play, so you're not missing anything. You're not just getting an interpretation of, oh, this happened, and then while somebody's typing that, they're missing something else happening. You're calling it play-by-play. Play. So what we're doing is we are giving the live experience to anyone who can't make it to the Hive, be they a Bees fan who's under the weather, perhaps, or a visiting fan who cannot make the maybe two, three, four-hundred-mile journey. So, yeah, like it's it's great fun to be involved in this and obviously doing the weekly podcast as well. Thank you so much to you for subscribing and therefore for being able to listen to this too. I mean, you say I do play by play. That 10th goal was just an absolute mess when I watched back the highlights. <laughs> I, I did like that. And he passes to goal. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> goal, just gone in. Yeah. Very partridge-esque that was by the very end of that one as well. And, and those of you, someone commented on this to me yesterday. They said... um. Your voice is, is not quite as deep as I thought it would be. And it's like, how do you mean? He said, well, when I listen to you on the commentary, it's just all a gravelly sort of voice like this. That's right. That's right. That's right. Of course, that's right. And uh, yeah, and someone said, oh, you have quite a, a very different talking voice when you're on the podcast compared to when you're doing the commentary. And I didn't know if 
thank you was the right answer there. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for that. Anyway, this weekend, uh, let's let's roll into this one. It's an away days for us, so it's up to Telford on Saturday, then across to Hull on Sunday, and expectations will be good. Telford, we know, are a very good team on their home ice. They're a very tight team with good net minding, good defence. Dominic Florian and uh, Jason Silverthorne combining well. Brandon Whistle has gone into that team as well and making a good impact there too. And you know a Tommy Watkins team is going to be a well-coached team. And you know they're going to be good games as well because Doug Shepard is a well-coached guy and, and they go into good battles. They worked together last year for England under-18s in, in their victory over Scotland. Um, and before that in the EPL, their games were absolute tactical battles and could go either way on either night. They know each other inside out. It, it's just one of those great coaching duels you'll get to watch because the players buy into the system that both of them are trying to put out there. And as a result, you just get this fascinating game to watch. Yeah, and obviously the Tigers are Tigers are off to a good start this year in the, the league. They're sitting quite well in the table and the Bees haven't had the best of start, but... As we've said before on the podcast this uh, in this episode, the the bees are gelling well now, and I think like you know, I remember Stuart Robinson was on the the podcast earlier in the season while we were on holiday, and he said this is a very exciting league because there's not much between any of the teams, and I think some of the teams perhaps at the top of the league table who would have thought, ah, oh, it's okay, it's Bracknell, it's it's not as hard as it could be. I think they'll be re rethinking that philosophy now and thinking, hang on a minute, these guys are hitting form here. And as you say, those uh, Watkins Shepherd battles are always good tactical ding dong battles as well. And I predict nothing less than one of those this weekend. And it will be the best team that wins. Indeed. And then on, of course, and then on Sunday, it's going to be heading up to Hull. And that's a unique challenge as well. We saw it in the 7 6 game the other week here. Um, some great players on that whole team. Jason Hewitt right now, I think very unlucky not to win player of the month. He has been so consistent in the NIHL this season. He's at the heart of everything that whole team are doing. You noticed it the weeks that he was away, how the team just didn't, wasn't gelling as much and had to make changes with the likes of David Norris coming in. Yes, there is the net minding challenge. We know there is that problem in Hull. It's only a problem if you can get to it because the D is so strong and they play they play so well in that end. They know where they're. And it's the old world of extenuate your positives and hide your negatives, and they do seem to do that quite well in Hull. Yes, it could be better, and you, there is an argument if they had slightly stronger net minding, they could clean up in this league. Uh, I saw someone suggest that this week that Hull they had slightly stronger net minding, they clean up in this league. But there's no reason that you know with how Hull are going to play. They're going to come at you and the game's going to be open. We got hit by two early goals against them last time. If we can sit there and we can compete with them from first whistle to last whistle, you're going to always be in the game against Hull. And that could mean it opens up into an opportunity for, yes, another successful weekend. I would completely agree with that thought. Uh, Hull are very, very good outskating, both up front and in defence. What they do do is they, for want of a better word, they babysit um, Smith very well in the net. And you will find that despite the fact they seem to always have three people up front, the minute they turn the puck over or lose control of the puck, one of those three will be back and they've got three back very, very quickly to try and smother out any challenge as well. Now, I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying that Smith is an absolute sieve. But what I am saying is that there are opportunities there which, with a lesser defence, would probably mean Hull would be blown away every week. But they protect him very, very well. I would kind of agree, therefore, if you were to put one of the uh, one of the other netminders in the league in their net, they're probably going to walk this league, aren't they? Yeah, and it's a unique challenge, but they know that that's a problem. It was a problem they had in the playoffs last year, and they beat everybody that came across them in the playoffs last year. They know where their challenges are. They know it's not like it's a new problem that's just been sprung on them. It's been their challenge for two, three, four years now. They know how to deal with it. They know how to compete with it, which makes it a very exciting weekend, I think. For those of you who will be joining us in the North, uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing you up there because I think it will be two great games of hockey with two, well, sorry, three teams that will go 
from buzzer to buzzer and really battle it out. I it's exciting and it's exactly what this league's all about: creating exciting hockey to be played. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like we've mentioned it before, anybody who goes to an NIHL national game is not going in thinking, "Well, I'm going to go and like watch my team hammer the other team," or "I'm going to go and watch my team get hammered." They're going in without knowing what the result could be. And I think that's the case across the board now. Uh, Milton Keynes is starting to put together some wins. Leeds will be in their home venue at some time in the new year and they get to build their fortress there. But things are starting to get really, really tight now in this league. And every game is a real competition. There's no walkovers at all left in NIHL national hockey where in the last couple of seasons, we have had those ones that you go into just thinking, well, this is this is a walkover. And in, in some cases, for the supporters, I'm not even bothering going to this. There aren't any of those at all now. So if you are heading up uh, to Telford and to Hull, I'm sure you will enjoy two very good games. Do you know what I'm looking forward to is actually resting my vocal cords for a weekend because they need to recover after that 11-goal extravaganza on Saturday. Um, shame we won't be able to join you on the Bees Radio Network, but... Ah. You can have a week off from our voices. I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll miss us. Well, you've got the live, the live episode to come and look forward to. All good. Right then, we're going to wrap it up there. I think for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to spring on me late doors here, Mark. I was just going to say, don't forget our final home game before Christmas will be on the 22nd of December. If you would like to come down to that, that is our final home game before Christmas. So obviously, we do have the uh, the week away this week in Telford and Hull. And as we say, those will be two very, very promising games. But we do have that uh, one final home game still to come on the uh, 22nd. So if you would like to come down to that, of course, you can get tickets on 01344789000. Of course, that is also a a school zone game as well. So don't forget that uh, away fans, the Wildcats fans, will be in block four on that night. Tickets on 01344789000. Further information, bracknellbees.com. And if you want to catch up with us on social media, we are Bees Ice Hockey on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you're on Instagram, we are The Bracknell Bees. And that's me done, mate. It's all yours. Oh, brilliant stuff, Mark. Pleasure as ever, buddy. Thank you, Graham. That's right. That's right. And from all of us here, thank you very much as indeed hockey fans. We really do appreciate producing all of this. We really do appreciate all your support. And until next time, we've blown through the 47-minute barrier. We'll catch you soon. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com